Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. everybody what is going on you are now listening to episode 31 of the say hey podcast welcome back everyone i'm your host today james donahue as i am for every show and hopefully that is not a deal breaker for you also if the audio sounds different today it is because i'm recording in my garage so hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you today either it's going to be a one-time occurrence i promise all right everybody you know When I think about today's episode, it's actually pretty impactful. I was actually surprised to look at what we're going to be talking about today. And the first thing we have to break down is the trade that went down Saturday for the Giants. But after that, I'm going to be mentioning some things I would like to see the Giants leave in the year 2020. And lastly, I'm going to be talking about four players that I think the Giants don't necessarily have to go out and trade for, but they definitely would benefit the team. So there you have it. Like I said, it's pretty impactful. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Starting off with the news and notes from around our team segment. Sam Coonrod has been traded to the Philadelphia Phillies for Carson Ragsdale. Ragsdale is a pitching prospect that was drafted by the Phillies this past draft in 2020, actually. So what do we know about him? Well, Ragsdale is a 22-year-old right-handed pitcher. He's six foot eight and has a two-pitch mix, which typically, typically, excuse me, leads to a spot in the bullpen, but apparently the Giants are actually eager to see what, what he can do as a starter. Farhan Zaidi has actually come out and stated, quote, we definitely see him as a starter. He's just an intriguing pitching prospect because he's relatively new to pitching. He was a two-way guy in college, started off as a position player, and was a reliever his first couple of years. He's very new to starting. We view him as a starter, and we're going to develop him as a starter. He's got a really good fastball, a plus curveball, and it has a chance to really be an elite swing and miss pitch for him, so the ability to spin it is really attractive. All right, so there you have it. The Giants have acquired a piece that we probably won't hear much about until a couple more years into the future, but it sounds like they're happy with the move, and it sounds like the young prospect has good upside. But what does that mean for the Giants' bullpen heading into this upcoming season? Because if you think about it, something we've been hearing all offseason is how the area the Giants want to improve on is the right side of the bullpen. But before you say to yourself, well, that's a little contradicting considering that Sam Coonrod is not only a right-handed reliever, but he can also throw 100 miles per hour. Before you do that, let's go ahead and break down the right-handed arms in the Giants bullpen who are currently on the 40-man roster. Because as of right now, it's actually looking pretty solidified. So starting off with the two acquisitions so far this offseason, the Giants went out and signed Matt Whistler and John Brebbia. If you need a refresher on both those, just remember that in 2020, Matt Whistler had an ERA of 1.07 and struck out 12.43 batters per nine innings. 
As for John Brebia, I know, I always struggle with that. Although he didn't play in 2020 due to Tommy John surgery, he produced a 3.59 ERA and struck out 10.78 batters per nine innings in 2019 over 72.2 innings pitched. And if we look even further, we can see that the Giants have actually promoted a trio of prospects named Camilo Doval, Gregory Santos, and Curvin Castro to the 40-man roster, who are all young upside arms who the Giants have been stashing in their farm system. Camilo Duvall averaged 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings in his first four seasons in the minors. He has a fastball that sits around 98 miles per hour and often hits triple digits. His low three-quarters arm slot makes it very hard for hitters to pick up what he's throwing, especially that slider that has crazy movement. Gregory Santos actually came to the Giants in a trade along with Sean Anderson, who we all know is a friend of the podcast, when the Giants traded Eduardo Nunez to the Red Sox in 2017. Santos has a fastball that touches 98 miles per hour with heavy sink and has a nasty slider to pair with that. Curvin Castro is another right-handed arm that has a lot of upside, but he is the youngest out of this trio. But also, let's not forget the household names that will be returning to their respective roles in 2021. You have Reyes Maranta, who will be coming back from shoulder surgery, Trevor Gott, and Tyler Rogers. So, as you can see, the right side of the bullpen is almost starting to look a little more crowded. Farhan Zaidi has actually gone on record to say keeping Coonrod, quote, created a traffic jam in terms of right-handed relievers on the 40-man roster. It was a portion of depth for us. As we've been kind of adding, we've been talking to some teams that thought they might have an interest in him. And not that you guys care about my opinion at all, but I'm honestly okay with this move because at the end of the day, although Coonrod's triple-digit fastball gives him a lot of upside, the truth is that he has trouble commanding that type of speed as his 9.82 ERA in 2020 would suggest. And on top of that, Coonrod kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but probably not in the way you're thinking. All I'm referring to is his last outing of the 2020 season, right before he actually ended up on the DL. Now, if you all remember, the last series of the 2020 season was against the Padres. It was a four-game series, but the first two were actually a doubleheader. During game two of that night, Coonrod was handed the ball in the, in the top of the seventh. That's right, the Padres were the home team playing at Oracle Park because this was actually a makeup game earlier in the year. Anyways, with a 5-3 lead over the Padres, Coonrod gives up a three-run walk-off blast to Trent Grisham. Now... What rubs me the wrong way is what I heard from all the reports the next morning. I guess as soon as Coonrod stepped into the dugout after the game was over, he notified the team that his shoulder was not right. Now, I don't know the extent of what that exactly means, but all I know is that Coonrod did not tell anyone that he was dealing with some kind of injury before taking the mound that night. The next day, he gets put on the DL. Now, I understand wanting to compete so badly, especially when you're fighting for a spot in the playoffs. But what's even more important is making smart moves during that playoff run. Putting yourself in an intense situation when you aren't 100% or in this case dealing with an injury is not a smart move for you or your team. At the end of it all, the situation with Coonrod ended up turning into something pretty messy and this type of move is probably for the best. I wish him all the success as he moves on in his career. I just feel like it was time for both parties, you know, being the Giants and Coonrod, to part ways. All right. That is going to be all for the news and notes from around our team. Moving on to the next segment. Now, something I noticed the other day is that I haven't done a segment yet that's related to the new year, or at least something that celebrates the conclusion of 2020. So with that being said, like a lot of things this year, 
Here are some things I would like to see the Giants leave in the year 2020. First thing, late inning meltdowns. If you watched as many games as I did during the 2020 season, something you might have noticed was the number of blown leads during the late innings of games. Last season, the Giants bullpen produced an ERA of 4.84 from the seventh inning onward. Not ideal by any means. However, the recent additions made this offseason should definitely help with that exponentially. And even though there were a lot of innings that consisted of heartbreak and torture, I will say that from August 18th to the conclusion of the 2020 season, the Giants bullpen as a whole produced an ERA of 2.17. So towards the end of the season last year, improvements and adjustments were definitely being made, and I think the recent acquisitions will only help that process. All right, number two, something else I would love to see the Giants leave in 2020, that's going to be the errors. As a whole, the team made 42 errors in 2020. The team that committed the most errors in baseball were the Yankees with 48. Now, there isn't a lot of separation there between those two numbers, and what's even more alarming is that 19 of those Giants errors came from Donovan Solano and Brandon Crawford combined. Solano committing 11 errors and Crawford committing 8 of his own. When it comes to Solano, I wish I had some sort of inside scoop as to what he's been doing this offseason in order to improve his fielding skills. But the truth is, I honestly have no idea what the 2021 season is going to be like when it comes to defense, especially from Solano. In addition to the defensive struggles contributed by Donovan Solano, all three catchers that stood behind the plate at different points throughout the season combined for six of their own errors. Overall, it really wasn't pretty, but I guess the bright side is that it can only go up from here. Or, you know, maybe I'm just telling myself that just so I can feel better. All we can do as fans is definitely hope it gets better. All right, the last thing I do not want to see come into 2021 are the cardboard cutouts. Now, do not misinterpret what I'm saying. I love them. I absolutely love the cutouts. It added personality to the stadium when we watched the games on the TV, and I personally felt like it was a great strategy to help the fans feel connected to the team during a pandemic. The only reason why I don't want them in 2021 is because I want to be able to go back to the park to watch the games in person. I truly do miss Oracle Park, and I know you do as well, but unfortunately, there is just too much going on in this world right now to even consider that being an option, especially if you live in California. All right, so just to review, let's go ahead and keep the errors in 2020 and the late inning meltdowns, and honestly, the cardboard cutouts, that's still a strong possibility to come back into the 2021 season, but you know, you can only hope. All right, moving on to the next segment, and that's going to be possible trade candidates for the Giants. Now, the only reason why I'm bringing up a segment like this is because of how many big trades have gone down during this offseason. And although I don't suspect the Giants to make a huge trade, it's still kind of fun to think about what-if scenarios, which is exactly what these next four players are. They're what-if scenarios, where in my opinion, you can kind of see it happen, you know, the Giants could if they really wanted to, but probably not at the end of the day, considering that the Giants are very much still a rebuilding team. But nonetheless, let's go ahead and entertain some ideas, shall we? Great. Okay. The first player on this list is Mr. Tyler Malley. Now, Malley is a 26-year-old right-handed starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, who has had a great 2020 season. In 47.2 innings pitched, Malley produced a 3.59 ERA and was striking out 11.33 batters per nine innings. Opposing hitters could not produce a batting average higher than 218 against any of his four pitches, 
which consists of a 94 to 96 mile per hour fastball, a slider as his secondary pitch, a split finger fastball, and a curveball to top it all off. And even though those numbers are great, Mali is actually projected to perform even better during the 2021 season based on the quality of contact opposing hitters were making on his pitches, or, you know, the contact they weren't making. But the best part about Mali is that he is only projected to make somewhere between $1.5 to $2.5 million in arbitration, and he isn't a free agent until 2024. He's a right-handed pitcher, and I know the Giants were specifically shopping for a lefty this offseason, but he's also a pitcher that is on the rise and a player that is going to be cheap for the next three years. All right, the next player on this what-if list is a young outfielder in the Yankees organization by the name of Clint Frazier. Another 26-year-old, Frazier is a right-handed bat that can supply a lot of power. You know, he's actually been around the league since 2017, but has yet to play a full season, mainly due to how much depth the Yankees have on their roster. Last year, however, during the 2020 season, Frazier played more than half the season, and he was on pace to hit 34 home runs and 109 RBIs over a full-length 162-game season. Now, in my opinion, all Frazier needs is an opportunity to play every day, and the results will follow. In 2021, Frazier will make a base salary of $2,100,000, and he will not be a free agent until 2025. It kind of seems like a great opportunity to secure a player that can produce in a big way. Now, after mentioning these two players, do you kind of see what I'm saying? It's like you can, you can kind of create a scenario in your head where it's like, okay, maybe it could work, but it probably won't considering the state of the Giants. All right, anyways, let's keep having fun. The third player on this what-if list is yet another 26-year-old, actually. And I promise I actually did not plan that at all. But his name is Brandon Lau, who plays for the Tampa Bay Rays and is another player that really interests me. Lau is a left-handed hitter. Hey, that fits actually. That actually fits a category the Giants are looking for this offseason. He's a left-handed hitter that has primarily played second base throughout his first three seasons in the majors, but he can also play the outfield if you need him to. Based off his past three seasons, and, and again, it's the only three seasons he's played in the major leagues, it looks like Lau will only produce a batting average that sits around 265, 270, but he also supplies a lot of power. Last season, Lau hit 14 home runs and 37 RBIs during a 2020 60-game season. That means he was on pace to reach 41 home runs and 108 RBIs over a full-length season. And he also hit three home runs during the World Series. That's right. He's on the Rays, remember. But he also plays very good defense. Lau is only getting paid $4 million next year and the year after that. And although his contract becomes more expensive in 2025, he isn't a free agent until 2027. Call me crazy, but there might actually be a situation where the Giants figure out how to trade a package like Donovan Solano or maybe two or three high-end prospects along to package that in order to get Lau. But again, these are just my own crazy quarantine thoughts. All right, everybody, before I talk about the biggest player on this list, I just want to quickly remind you all that you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't worry, I'm going to say it one more time, so brace yourself for the exit of this episode. But anyways, you can also leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. All right, enough of that crap. Let us move on to the biggest piece. The moment you've all been waiting for. For the final player on this what-if list. Now, if you've never heard of any of the last three players I just talked about, that's fine. Don't worry. Because you are definitely going to recognize this name. All right. 
The last final name on this what-if list is Bryce Harper. I know. It sounds crazy. If you're driving, I sure hope I haven't caused you to swerve. If you're mid-sip in your coffee, I definitely don't want you to spit it back out. Because don't worry, everybody, I'm only 15% kidding when I mention Bryce Harper. All right, buckle up. This is going to be a, a, a wild ride for sure. Let's go ahead and start, talk, start by talking about the origin of Harper's gigantic contract. In 2018, Harper signed a 13-year contract worth $330 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, at that time of signing, the Giants were one of the finalists to actually sign Harper. They offered him a 12 years, $310 million, but of course, we all know what happened instead. Also at that time, Farhan Zaidi was in his first offseason as the Giants president of baseball operations, and to Harper's defense, I agree with him, it appeared that the Giants were heading on a downward trajectory, while the Phillies were actually heading in the opposite direction. The Giants finished the 2018 season with a 73-89 and record, and get this, Joe Panic and Alan Hansen were the only two hitters on the team to receive at least 230 plate appearances under the age of 30. Additionally, the organization appeared to have one of the worst farm systems in baseball, even after selecting Joey Bart, the second overall pick in the 2018 MLB draft. However, you still with me? You haven't swerved? You haven't spit out your coffee? All right, moving on. However, since Harper has signed his infamous contract, the Phillies have only won three more games over the past two seasons than the Giants. But also, both organizations have seen their stock go in the opposite directions than expected. The Giants have found legitimate big league contributors like Mike Yastrzemski, Alex Dickerson, Kevin Gosman, Donovan Solano, and Wilmer Flores through low-risk moves alongside resurgent 2020 campaigns from veterans like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria. And not to mention, Zaidi has strengthened the farm system's depth through trades as several prospects, as we've all talked about on this show, already in the system have seen their stock rise exponentially. Less than two years after Harper's decision, it is the Phillies that appeared to be on the verge of the next rebuild. During this offseason, the Phillies signed Dave Dombrowski as their president of baseball operations, and reports have actually come out stating that, quote, Dave Dombrowski works best as a GM with lots of cash to spend and prospects to trade. The Phillies don't seem to have either of those things, end quote. Which means there might need to be some trades that happen in order to rebuild the Phillies' stock. Because if you look at the team now, you can see that the Phillies have to make some big decisions. Like if they're going to go out and re-sign JT Rumuto and Didi Gr Gregorius. Whoa. There have already been rumors escalating that the team is open to trade for Gene Segura and Zach Wheeler, and ESPN reporter Buster Only has come out and said that the team has not yet, quote, yet considered trading outfielder Bryce Harper. Keyword there is yet. They haven't yet. Now, in my opinion, at this time, it's hard to envision the Phillies progressing much further with a bottom five farm system in baseball and having stated that they are in a fi financial bind. The organization at the time of signing informed Bryce that they were going to build a team around him, which is why Bryce committed to such a team-friendly contract. But the reports coming out of Philly's organization this offseason have indicated quite the opposite. Now, right off the bat, no pun intended, the honest truth is that the price for Bryce Harper would not be cheap. We all know this. The former National League MVP hit at least 34 home runs and 100 RBIs 
in each of the 2018 season and 2019 season. And in 2020, he was on pace to hit 37 home runs and 93 RBIs. But what may be even more impressive is that he was on pace to walk 137 times over a regular full-length season. If you break down Harper's contract, you can see that although it is tied for the longest contract in baseball currently, which on Carlos Stanton right now, you can also see that is one of the most team-friendly contracts when you look at the average annual income he makes every year. For the next seven seasons, Bryce will be getting paid $26 million per year. But if we compare that to some of the other big contracts in the league, we can see that the price for such an impactful player can be much steeper, especially if you look at Garrett Cole, who will be making $36 million a year, Mike Trout, who will be making a little more than $35 million a year, Bryce's former teammate Steven Strasburg, who will be making exactly $35 million, and the newly acquired Mookie Betts, who will be making $30 million every year until 2032. What's even crazier is that Miguel Cabrera will make more than Bryce Harper over the next three years. As I just mentioned, the price for Bryce, that's got a nice ring to it, the price for Bryce would most definitely be a lot. But then you have to remind yourself of two things. One, if there is anything we have observed and learned over the past two seasons, it's that the Giants for an office, headed by Farhan Zaidi, know how to acquire talent, but more importantly, they know how to develop that talent as well. And two, Harper's contract is long-term. This is not a bad thing. The Giants would have nothing but time to build a team around him. And the last thing I'll say is that this contract is getting cheaper as the years come and go. The way it is designed is $26 million for the first nine seasons and $22 million in each of the last three seasons. Entering the year 2021, the Giants would only have to pay seven years of that $26 million instead of nine. Now... I just said, over the next seven years, Bryce will be getting paid $26 million. If we turn back the clock seven years from now to 2014 and look at the most expensive contracts, we can see that the MLB has changed drastically. The highest paid average annual salary in 2014 was $28 million, and it was Zach Greinke's contract with the Dodgers. Bryce Harper's contract now is still not as expensive as the most expensive contract seven years ago. The highest annual salary of 2021 will be $36 million from Garrett Cole. We know this. That's an $8 million difference from 2014. By that rate, seven years from now, the highest paid player will be getting $44 million every year, which I fully expect to happen considering that Shane Bieber, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Eloy Jimenez, Fernando Tatis Jr., Cody Bellinger, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, and many more are still needing to get paid the big bucks. But as the market will inflate over the next seven years, Harper's contract will remain the same. But of course, I'm just playing devil's advocate in this scenario. There have been no official rumors insinuating that this type of trade is at all a possibility between both of these teams. This is just my own random quarantine thoughts getting the best of me. But, you know, at the same time, I truly would not be mad if this happened. Now, is that hypocritical of me? You know, maybe a little considering all I talk about is how the Giants aren't built for that type of moves, especially the ones that the Dodgers make in acquiring Mookie Betts or the ones that the Padres make in, in acquiring Blake Snell or Yu Darvish. But here's the thing. Those moves do not compare to if the Giants went, went after Harper and his contract. He's cheaper and he provides the same elite status. 
Bryce Harper is two years younger than Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson. He's four years younger than Brandon Belt and five years younger than Buster Posey and Donovan Solano. The price would be expensive at first, but once he is acquired, there would be plenty of time to replenish the farm system. All right, don't worry. I'm done. I know that was a pretty hot take, and it's most likely not going to ever happen. But what if it did, you know? What if it did? Could you imagine Bryce Harper and Mike Yastrzemski hitting back-to-back bombs into McCovey Cove? It kind of gives you goosebumps a little bit, but don't worry. I'll calm down. I'll come back to earth. Don't worry. All right, everybody. That is going to be all for today's show. Thank you again so much for the support you have given to this show. It truly means the world. Folks, in case this was your first time listening to the show, just a reminder, you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can also leave a rating and a review if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts. But other than that, folks, continue to stay safe, continue to stay healthy, and most importantly, go Giants.